It's Elise here. Thank you so much if you're listening again. And as always, welcome if you're a new listener. So Halloween's only a week away. Woohoo! And as I've been doing all month, this is a fun new kind of episode. So this will be the first part of a two-part series about unsolved mysteries. And to make it a little more fun, I've invited my good friend and talented photographer, among many other things, Brianne. Hi, Brianne. Hi, Elise. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for coming. I'm so excited to be here. It's about well, time. <laughs> I know. And you guys don't know this, but um, Brianne is insane. She's like the busiest <laughs> no. person in the world. No. So think of like your busiest day and like times by 300 and that's like a regular day for you. So we're super lucky to have her. How else would we want to celebrate Halloween, right? I know, exactly. And I'm really excited and I've made sure that you don't know any of these Not cases. At all. I have no idea. So I hope you'll be scared. <laughs> <laughs> Terrified. Okay, so in my interview with Paul Bush last week, we touched upon the fact that the notion of paranormal encompasses much more than ghosts and hauntings. So as we talked about, it includes cryptids, which would be things like Bigfoot. It also includes things like UFOs and lake monsters and basically anything that's unexplainable. Did you know that? I had no idea. Okay. <laughs> I thought it was just ghosts. No, there's so much more. So for me, this also includes unsolved mysteries. So while some theories around certain cases might be scientific and logical, I feel like like us as people, when we hear something that's not explainable like at least for me my mind goes automatically paranormal and like yes. <gasps> there's for sure. a demon there's a ghost like <laughs> satan himself yes yeah. it's automatically paranormal to me and i think a lot of people are like that too so i have three cases we're going to talk about for this first episode okay so the first mystery is the disappearance of elisa lamb so have you heard of this not at all okay so 21-year-old Elisa Lamb was a college student from Canada, and in 2013, she decided to go on a solo trip to California, which is awesome. I'd be really scared to do that. At 21, you're still a baby. Yeah. So she visited the San Diego Zoo, posted photos of her trip on social media. She was really active on Tumblr, so she had okay. a little Tumblr account. She made her way to Los Angeles and checked into her hotel on January 26th. While she was traveling, she contacted her parents every day. She seemed happy and was even noted at a bookstore across the street from her hotel. And the manager said that she was outgoing, really lively and very friendly. She was getting presents to take home to her family. Okay. So she had checked into the famed Cecil Hotel downtown. Have you heard of this ho hotel? No. In LA? Yes. Downtown LA. Okay. Apparently, it's kind of near Skid Row. So when it came time for her to check out on the 31st and she would be heading to Santa Cruz, her parents never heard from her mm. and she didn't check out of the hotel. So her parents immediately contacted LAPD and flew from Burnaby to LA. Whoa. Yeah, because they knew something was not yeah, right. for sure. So police searched the hotel as much as they were able to at that time. They searched her room and had dogs go through the entire building, including the rooftop, but hmm. didn't find anything. They weren't able to search every room because they didn't have probable cause because they don't know that something happened, she you know, gone with her own will. Yeah, there was no sign of a struggle, hmm. nothing. So on February 6th, the LAPD decides to post missing persons flyers around the neighborhood. So they're hoping that maybe anyone with information um, would come forward, but no one did. No. So another week passes and suddenly the case took a weird turn. 
Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <I know. laughs> On February 16th, the LAPD released elevator surveillance footage from the hotel from the 1st of February. So she was supposed to check out on the 31st. Of this January. is from the 1st. Yeah. Okay. So the videos, it's creepy. It's oh, weird. You watched it? I've watched it and I have it for you. You're oh, gonna watch Jesus. It. <laughs> so in it, um, she's acting really weird. So like I say, I'm going to show you and I'm going to put it on the blog so everybody can see. Okay. It'll be kind of fun if you're able to, to look at the blog, look at the pictures, look at all the stuff like while we're doing this. So anyway, she enters the elevator and appears to press all of the buttons immediately. Okay. The elevator also is not really working. The, the video is long and the elevator doors never close. At oh, one Jesus. point, she hides in the corner like, like she Trembling. doesn't want someone to see her. Um, she then peeks her head like in and out of the elevator. She kind of like jumps out into the hallway a couple times like she thinks like someone's oh, going to be there. Um, and then she at one point seems to be talking to somebody and she's like gesturing and it's really, really bizarre. Oh, God. So <laughs> Jesus. So eventually she does um, just walk out of frame. They don't ever see anyone else. Never. And the really weird thing, too, is so the elevator doors never close. Um, and like I say, it's like three to five minutes long. Like the entire so video. They never close. As soon as she walks away, they close. The so it's like as if something was holding them open. So weird. And I feel, like I say, I'll let you watch it, but I feel like when she's talking and she does this gesture where it's almost like she's moving her hand in front where the door is, like as if it's like, is something there? It's oh really, really weird. <laughs> You're scared. Oh, God. So like I say, I'm going to show Brianne the video right now. So what did you think about that? I don't know. She looks, I want to say like possessed. She's not moving normal. Her yeah. legs are really straight. Her hands mm -hmm. are really fucked up. That's yeah. some theories that it's like a possession thing yeah. or something. It looks like the exorcist, like how yeah. she moves. It's super unsettling. And like I say, I just find it so weird. Why is the elevator not closing? At like all. elevators close all the time. And she's not holding the like open door. No. Or whatever. And it's weird that once she walks away... Suddenly they close. The hiding's weird. The yeah. hands are weird. Yeah, and she's talking to something there. Mm -hmm. Something there. Something's yeah. in that doorway. So, as we say, the video is very strange, and the police decided to release it in hopes of bringing some more attention to the case. So they thought maybe some people would recognize the clothing, maybe even people in the hotel heard something or around that time and could be like, oh, I heard someone talking. So and fucked up. But nothing. So the video ramped up media coverage, of course, because it was oh, just yeah. so bizarre. And theories took a turn for the paranormal, of course. Um, but something I didn't tell you about this hotel. Oh, no. Haunted. <laughs> it's known as one of the most haunted places in L.A. And actually, American Horror Story Hotel is based on this hotel, apparently. Oh, That's what I heard cool. was um, the inspiration. That's a terrifying season. Yeah. Yeah. So the list of known deaths is as follows. Oh. November 19th, 1931, W.K. Norton, 46, found dead after ingesting poison. September 1932, Benjamin Dodditch, 25, dead from self-inflicted gunshot. July 1934, Sergeant Louis D. Borden, 53, he cut his own throat with a razor in his hotel room. 
Holy shit. March 1937, Grace E. Margot fell from ninth story window and it remains unknown whether it was an accident or a suicide. January 1938, Roy Thompson, 35, jumped from the top floor. May 1939, Erwin C. Neblet, 39, found dead after ingesting poison. January 1940, Dorothy Seiger, 45, was near death after ingesting poison. Uh, There's no further reports on whether or not she survived. September 1944, a newborn baby boy, Dorothy Jean Purcell, 19, was apparently unaware she was pregnant and went into labor. She thought the baby was dead, so she threw him out the window. No. Because that makes sense. She was later charged with murder. November 1947, Robert Smith, 35, jumped from a seventh floor window. October 22nd, 1954, Helen Gurney, 55, jumped from the seventh floor and landed on the Cecil Marquis. Oh. There's more. Oh. February 11th, 1962, Julia Frances Moore, 50, jumped from the eighth floor. October 12th, 1962, Pauline Otten and, uh, she was 27, and George Giannini, 65. She jumped from her ninth floor window after an argument with her estranged husband and landed on a pedestrian, George Giannini. Oh my God. They actually thought that it was a double suicide or like a murder suicide or something. But he was just walking by. And so he was killed too. June 4th, 1964. This is kind of one of the most infamous ones, but a woman named Pigeon Goldie Osgood was raped, stabbed, and beaten. Oh. A man was charged but later cleared, so her case remains unsolved. December 20th, 1975, unidentified woman jumped from the 12th floor window. June 13th, 2015, a man, 28, believed to have jumped from the hotel, but the cause of death has been undetermined, which is very weird. Yeah. I feel like a fallen body has a look to it. Yes. So at least 16 deaths have occurred at the hotel, and sadly, just two years before the last one in 2013, Elisa Lam was added to the list. Her cause of death would be accidental drowning. Where was she? In the hotel? So, at around the same time as the video release, guests at the hotel began to complain of low water pressure and discolored water Stop. and strange tasting tap water. Stop. Mm-hmm. So the maintenance employees began to investigate the claims, and this led them to a very disturbing discovery. The body of Elisa Lam was found in one of the four 1,000-gallon water tanks on the hotel's roof. How did she even get in there? Her body was found nude. And her clothing, the exact clothing in the video, were floating around her. Her key card and watch were also found in the water. Yeah, right? It's just so baffling. And it just came up with more questions, really. This makes, yeah, makes me want to hurl. I think there was actually a lawsuit with people in the hotel because they were drinking water and found out later. Human body water? There was, yes. So there was a strange sand-like particulate found on her clothing. So that was really weird. And I have not found anything that says what it was. Mm -hmm. Her phone was never found. But weirdly, her Tumblr was updated for up to a year after her death. No. Yeah. By Satan. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So when I looked at this, they said there is like an automatic date thing on there. And it could have been that. But it's just so weird. Her phone's gone. And then... Her social media is updated. So that's really, really weird. So there were no signs of physical trauma or sexual assault. Toxicology tests were not complete because there was not enough blood preserved. So it's kind of hard to test that. But 
Um, what they were able to see was it didn't show anything, but she had prescription medication and that was in her room. So it was with her and they found Sinutab and ibuprofen. So nothing weird. Um, Elisa had struggled with mental health for years and took medication for bipolar and depression. Okay. She had no documented history of suicidal tendencies, but supposedly she went missing for a period of time in the past. But I think a lot of people, especially now that mental health, like people talk about it all the time, just because it's not documented or people don't talk right. about it, like doesn't, doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Doesn't mean it wasn't there. But the water tank's weird. Yes. So some people believe that she might have suffered a psychotic break. Or that's what possibly, that looks like. and that's what people have said. And um, I think they've talked to psychiatrists and things like that who have said like it could be. Yeah. Um, and the weird thing is, someone said that her hand motions kind of look like she's swimming, which is very weird. That then that she was found in water. True. Yeah, it is right when you think about it. Huh. So some people also think that maybe she had taken a drug that couldn't have been detected, which is a possibility, mm-hmm. maybe. So these are things we'll probably never know. Um, And as I said, the bookstore manager did say she seemed happy and lively and chatted about whether the book she was buying would be too heavy to lug around for the rest of her trip. So to me, that was like... Planning for the future already. Yeah, I don't think think it was suicide because it's like, if you're thinking about the future and, oh, I'm going to get this book, like, why would you do that? Why would you be... And sometimes people can make a split decision, but it's sort of like less likely to me at least that I video, think. still I have the chills <laughs> I feel like okay. mm-hmm. yeah and it's, it's disturbing it's sad and scary too to see when you know that's like their last yeah movements another thing that was odd was the reason she was moved from the hostel style room in the beginning was that the other occupants were complaining of odd behavior oh that's kind of hmm. interesting too um, but again, I wasn't able to find out like what specifically There's, describe odd. Yeah. I mean, like odd for me could but be odd for like a hostile traveler is probably pretty probably odd, pretty weird. And especially to be complaining and then they have to move her. Yeah. So, hmm. but it's all in the same hotel. Maybe something attached there from the beginning. Exactly. So hmm. now comes the big question and what you want to know, I think is how did she get into the tank and even up to the Seriously. roof? Seriously. Hmm. So first, the police dogs didn't alert to anything on the roof. So some people thought maybe she wasn't in there yet, but police say, judging by how long she was in there, she was, she was there. But I mean, they wouldn't have had any cause to think that she would be in there. God, no. Maybe they just didn't spend a lot of time over there. Second, the doors and stairs that lead to the roof are locked. Staff have passcodes and keys to get in, and if it's triggered, an alarm is sounded, and none of that happened. And there's no security the, cams up there? No security cams, and the only way to get to the roof undetected is a fire escape. Oh. They say she would have had to have known that, but I did see a video where someone kind of went to see, is it really hard to find out? And it really wasn't really that hard to find it. Okay. So, so maybe, I mean... Maybe. Might not be, might be. Um, also... Once you're on the roof, the big question is, how did she get in there? So the tanks are eight feet high. They're also up on blocks. Yeah. So I'm going to bring like up huge water tanks. Yeah. I'm going to bring up a picture here to show you. And again, this will be on the blog. So that's Whoa. right. So you have to first get up there. There are no fixed ladders. There's no way 
to climb up there. And then you just open that little latch? Well, apparently, because some people said there's no way she could have fit in there. She could have grabbed it open and then closed it. Right. But um, I was reading and did see that the maintenance worker said that it was open. Oh, and that's so why he looked closed. in that first one. So, oh god, yeah. And apparently they are big. Like she could have gotten in. She was pretty small. So, mm. a lot of people actually think there might have been another person. Maybe there was another person there. Even I mean, in the question video. is if you, yeah, who knows if it's a spirit or a person? I'm not sure. But another person who maybe knew they were knew it was up there. But what is the motive to be like, hey, come it's up here? I'm gonna like Slenderman vibes. It is. You know, it's like making all these people kill themselves. Yeah. Another weird thing about this hotel is that it's linked to the Black Dahlia. She oh. was seen there like a day before wow. her body was found. Um, Richard Ramirez, like oh, famous yeah. huh? serial killer and another um, serial killer. So it's kind of interesting. It's just got all these bad vibes. Yeah. Super dark energy. Yes. Mm. So obviously... This case is popular in unsolved mystery terms. Like people just want to understand. Yeah. It's I think too that's weird to be a suicide. I think so too. I just don't think anyone would ever be like, I'm going to throw myself in a water tank. Well, and especially if she was planning suicide and thought, I'm going to go out at this famous hotel that's sort of famous for all these deaths and jumping yeah. suicides and poisons and all this stuff. It's so strange. Why would she go up there, strip down, put her clothes in there, put all of her stuff in there, and then get in. Yeah, too weird. But it's like there's no physical trauma, mm. nothing. That's our first case. That's a big one. I know. That's a big number one. I know. I picked, I had like a binder full of cases, and oh I'm like, God. okay, I don't I don't want to depress you too much, because the first so two are... cases today are pretty like heavy. And then I have kind of one that's not, that's kind of fun, but... Yeah. A fun one. It's kind of a fun. A fun unsolved mystery. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You'll see what I mean. <laughs> okay. Are you ready for another one? I'm ready. Okay. Yeah, my heart's semi-recovered. Okay. Oh, man. This next one is the mysterious disappearance of Pauline Picard. Okay. Um, also, you have a French background, do you not? I was going to say, I was like, I'm sure that's a back there <laughs> relation somewhere. Right. And there's some French stuff in here, so I make it you to pronounce it. Oh, I am no. Can you pronounce or you're like My not mom fluent? is French, but we grew up in a Ukrainian town. Okay. So I'm so just maybe Canadian not. now. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, two-year-old Pauline Picard lived on a farm in Gauss-Aludu. Perfect. Nailed it. Yes, thank you. You heard it from the expert. The <laughs> yes, French expert. That's I'm right. Amazing. Um, so this was in Brittany, France. It was the spring of 1922, and the children were out playing. So they had this big kind of farm and lots of land. And of course, like 1922, I mean, now they'd be in like on tablets, but back then they were playing and they're out like, yeah. you know, in the woods. Running around. Beautiful little location. So she called them in for dinner. And this little two-year-old didn't come. So they couldn't find her anywhere. So, I mean, there's a lot of things that could happen. You think maybe she got lost in the woods. It was a really tiny town. So so they couldn't find her anywhere. She enlisted the help of local police and mass of local volunteers to search for her. They knew she was last seen in a Navy jacket and black and white checkered dress with black tights. 
The search was extensive, but there was no trace of her. Oh. A few weeks passed. Oh. And the cards were contacted by police who found a little girl matching Pauline's description in a town called Cherbourg. So I'm going to show you the map because it's crazy. They just couldn't understand how far that's where Whoa. she was. And that's where she was found. Right? So they're they're like, how? In a couple weeks? That's a long way to go. Like... Hundreds of kilometers. Oh, yeah. Thousands, So, again, I'll have this on the blog. It's crazy. It's so far. Hmm. They were just, like, baffled. They were like, how could she have gotten there? She appeared unharmed. She was wandering by herself. Crazy. So I mean, like, for food and stuff. There was one account that said they saw a woman kind of near her, but it didn't appear they were together. So you never know. Woman could have just been asking she was okay. So her mom identified her by photograph. They hopped on a train to retrieve their daughter. After spending a couple hours with her, it quickly became apparent the little girl didn't recognize them. Oh. So she looked like Pauline, but was acting really different. So they explained this by PTSD, which was kind of what I thought right at the Mm -hmm. beginning too, was like maybe something really traumatic happened and she just, you know, you never know what could have happened in those couple weeks. So that was the theory that she was abducted and abused and this was her way of coping and just was broken, right? So the Picards took Pauline home and everybody, without a doubt, neighbors, siblings, everyone recognized her. This is her. But it's not her. But she didn't recognize anyone. Oh my God. So the authorities, right? Yeah, like a doppelganger, right? I talk about a doppelganger in, I think it was episode six. Um, there's this crazy doppelganger supposedly in Beacon Hill Park in Vancouver. So Pauline seemed really scared and shy and she didn't speak her native language. Like she didn't know it. Weird. But everybody was like, this is her. Same age, same everything. Obviously different outfit, but okay, that could be explained away by like person changed her or whatever, mm. right? The more time they spent with her, they started having doubts. Like, this is not our kid. This is, yeah. So on May 26th, a month after Pauline was discovered, a cyclist found the naked remains of a little girl not far from the Picard farm. Oh. But the head, feet, and hands were missing. Yeah. Ew. I know. Preventing proof of identification. So next to the body was a pile of clothing, black and white checkered dress, navy jacket, black tights. So, and then another element that was super weird was there was the skull, just the head of a man, a grown man. And I believe from what I read, like it had been there for longer, but so strange or, or had been like the guy's killing spot or something. Yeah. But the strange part was that that area that they searched, they searched it like extensively and she was out in the open. So they're like, she had to have been placed there after. So the police knew, okay, the body and the skull and the skull were placed there after the search because people were in there. It wasn't far and it wasn't hidden. That's fucked up. Right? Another weird thing was when the little girl was brought back home, a local farmer named Eve Martin nervously asked the Picards if they thought the little girl in the house was Pauline. And they said, yes, she's home where everything's good. Oh, God. And then he screamed, God help me, I'm guilty. And he ran. And he was later admitted to an asylum. And then soon after was when they made the discovery. So He killed her. I think so. So because of the time period, 
and they couldn't see her face. Um, I mean, I don't know how much they could have even done. I don't know in the twenties. And who did? So who did this other Pauline belong to? Like, is that right? Missing their that kids? was the question immediately. I'm like, who's this poor little girl that is was that found? Now right? Taken. Yeah. And obviously, they didn't have DNA, so they couldn't sort of conclusively say. But her family knew it was her. They just knew the way this other little girl was acting. She wasn't their kid, and yeah. so. And then obviously, the clothing was found beside this other little yeah. girl. So they actually sent her away to where an orphanage. Oh, I know. I kind of, in a way, it's like you can understand. Then they find their child like brutally murdered. And it's like, well, this isn't our kid. But I tried to find out, like, did they try to find, like, don't you have a family? And it doesn't really say. Like, who that girl became as an adult. I know. Type of trauma that. And it doesn't, there's like no follow-up or anything because you kind of almost wanted them i wanted them to keep her almost for sure and just be like oh like i feel like it's like soul karma yeah exactly so i was really sad to find that out but she was sent to an orphanage and then i thought that was gonna go paranormal but it went just to murder it went just to murder exactly and i think the paranormal element is just like this kid was that, that her doppelganger it's just so weird she just happened to be found well, even like for the 20s, murders like that, like how do you yeah. even decide that we're going to just leave her torso? And like who was the man? Yeah. And you wonder if, know. like if they have this evidence still in cold case, I'd want them to check the DNA. Like maybe you could find out through other family members, oh, this yeah. was our uncle that went missing. Like who was that man? Huh. You have a headless corpse and then a head. That's just so bizarre. So there are some theories about how the Picard's could have been so sure this was their little girl and apparently it has happened before so obviously with extreme grief um it can lead you to basically kind of like see what you want to see for sure the last story for okay. this episode Woo-hoo! i told you was not terrifying i don't find it terrifying okay. so it has I'm to do excited. with um the concept of reincarnation and past lives fine which i think is all so of our favorite yeah so what do you think about Reincarnation. I for sure think we're all reincarnated. Yeah. You just meet, I don't know, you meet some people and they just like know things that there's mm-hmm. no way they know. So this story is about Dorothy Louise Eady. She was born in 1904 in London to two loving parents, Reuben and Caroline. Love that name. <laughs> um, when she was three years old, Dorothy fell down a flight of stairs. And they had the doctor come and he pronounced her dead. Oh. Then he left to get the nurse to come and they would take her and she was fine. But her parents quickly realized that mentally she was different. She was hiding at her tables and would demand her parents take her home. And some reports even said she developed foreign accent syndrome. No. Yeah. And I have heard of this where people go into a coma or have a head injury or something, and then they can like play piano or they're like, they get these other skills, right? That's wild. I know. It's so crazy. It's like it's uncovering something that was already there. Or like how much like wisdom or knowledge is in our brain that we can't tap into. Exactly. Okay, so things calmed down after a while, and when she was seven, her parents took her to the British Museum. They walked slowly through all the exhibits and were shocked when they entered the Egyptian galleries and Dorothy took off running. She was so happy, and she was going around to the statues and kissing their feet and exclaiming she was home. Right? I love this story. I love Egypt. Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. 
So she was so happy. And she even said, her dad said in like a really old, mature sounding voice, I want to be left with my people. She like did not want to leave. Yeah. On a separate incident after this, her dad, I think they were looking through Egypt things and kind of, you know, I think they were trying to appease her interest. Yeah, her interest for sure. And she was shown a photo of the temple that was built by Seti I. And she told her dad with confidence that she lived there. So, yeah, she said the temple Abydos was her first home and she maintained that fact for the rest of her life. She died in her 80s. Whoa. Yeah. Another fact that's important to this discovery of hers is that her father noted that she said, where are the trees? Where are the gardens? And he's like, there were no gardens. This is the picture of it. So the discovery and realization of her home. So she kind of wanted to go home, but she couldn't place where it was or what it was. So now she knew. It looks so different. So that encouraged her interest in learning more and more about Egypt and her past life. So she actually began reading and writing hieroglyphics. And her teacher, what? yeah, she went to, I, I believe it was the museum and was like, I want to learn this. Her teacher was amazed at her ability to learn so quickly. Like she just picked it right back up. And she corrected him as a child and said that she wasn't learning. She was just revisiting the language that she had forgotten. Oh, my God. When she was a young teen, she would begin sleepwalking and she would have waking nightmares sometimes about her old life. And it actually led her to be institutionalized a few times. Yeah. Which is not really surprising. But she freaking never wavered. No. Nope. Never wavered in her claims. She knew Seti the first and she lived in that temple. Wow. Yeah. So at the age of 27, she met her husband who was Egyptian and he was a student there studying um, at that time. They married and moved to Egypt in 1931. And when she arrived, she was so overcome with happiness. She kissed the ground and declared she was finally home. Oh. So she and her husband had a son and she named him Seti. She would eventually, yeah, she would eventually change her name to Om Seti, which apparently is um, common, like a common thing they would do where you would then be known as Om whoever your child's name is. Like mom of. So mom of, yeah. And Dorothy and her husband, though, would eventually divorce because at late night she would go into these trances and she would claim to be visited by her spirit guide named Hora, who was telling her her life. Isn't that an Egyptian god? That's what I was trying to think. I think there's Horus. Yeah. And then there's like Ra, but I don't know if there's Hora. I'm not sure. (laughs) I don't know. We'll have to check it out. I know a couple Horas. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I wouldn't want them coming to me in my dream though. But yeah. (laughs) So he was pretty upset and creeped out, which I totally get. I would be too. Um, So during these trances, she would be writing hieroglyphics. Oh, my God. Isn't that crazy? And she ended up writing about 70 pages that outlined the life she once lived. Wow. Yeah. So he was scared by this. And she was kind of like, well, this is just what it is. Who I am. Yeah. Yeah. So her name was Ben Trisht. And she was born to a humble family. Her mother died when she was three. Which is kind of interesting. Her mom died when she was three and she fell down the stairs at three and then remembered everything. So it's kind of interesting. Oh, yeah. Like parallel universe. Yeah. 
And then she was placed in the temple of Qom el Sultan, where she became a priestess. And one thing they had to do was you, from what it sounds like, it's almost like a nun. Like they had to then give themselves um, to a life of like abstinence and staying virginal. So one day, um, she says she met Seti in the gardens at Temple Abydos, and they became lovers. Oh. Mm -hmm. She then became pregnant, and when she told the high priest, she was told it was a death sentence to break her vows. She could not break her vows, and because she had, she would be killed. Oh, jeez. Yeah. So to avoid him being punished, as well as herself, she killed herself. Oh. And she... That's how I wanted that to end. I know, right? And she believed that in the afterlife, they would be reunited, which makes sense because that's sort of how they believed. So she just believed death was like just a vehicle to get her where she needed to go, where they wouldn't be in trouble. Hmm. So Dorothy became a staple in the archaeologist community who tried, but without success, to discredit her. They would test her by doing things like they took her to this temple, Abydos, And in a newly discovered room that had not been spoken about yet or written about, and you have to think the time too, there's no internet, she couldn't look things up before, nothing like that. Right. Um, They kept all the lights out, so it was pitch black. They led her through the temple so she could just picture from her memories where they were going. And then asked her, what is the painting on this wall? And she described it in such detail, she actually described things they hadn't even noticed yet. So when they looked, because they were kind of like, that's not a part of it, and then looked, oh, and then saw things they hadn't even discovered yet. Holy smokes. Yes. She baffled them further with her ability to translate very difficult artworks and papyrus. The biggest point in her claim and sort of her proof was that um, she kept saying, like, since she was a kid, there were gardens there. And they actually did discover while she was living there and visiting the place that um, the garden was there, that they discovered a garden. They uncovered it right where she said it was. And she also helped discover a tunnel on one side of the temple that hadn't been discovered yet. She said, oh, there's a tunnel over there. And then they built, they dug there and there's a tunnel. So the locals and many archaeologists came to trust her. And eventually she did pass away on April 21st, 1981 just outside of Abydos, and she always believed, like I said, that in the afterlife she would reunite with her love, Seti the First. Oh. And I actually read that even now, people that are sort of like, I don't believe in that, but they can't find anything. Like, no, that's unbelievable. All of her claims were true. There's so many stories about this, and I'm just like, how can you explain it? How can you explain people that know? Especially like... Being a young person and able to write hieroglyphics. Yeah. And knowing how to write them so quickly. Like the the teachers were kind of like, oh, this is kind of an interesting thing. how steady were they even in the 20s? Like they're studied now. Right. Like how how much did they even know? They probably had like a few experts who could write them as well as she did. Crazy. But yeah, these like 70 pages she wrote were like translated. It was everything she said. It's not like she was scribbling being like, these are hieroglyphics. And they oh, weren't. Perfect. Like it was. Huh. I know. Okay, that's that's my favorite. Right? Yeah, I love that That was a one. winner story. That's kind of like a feel-good one. Like her story is sad from her past life. But I'm like, oh, I love this. So And crazy. a cool part of paranormal that you don't really think of. But 
it's something you can't explain, but I, I believe in it. Yeah, me too. And actually, weirdly, I've seen articles lately talking about birthmarks and how people believe that is like a, an old scar or how you died in your last life, which I totally believe too. Fascinating. This brings us to the end of part one of what I'm calling histories and mysteries. I hope you guys have enjoyed this. And if you would like to hear more Unsolved Mysteries in the future, please let me know. I had a lot of fun doing this and I'm actually looking into specifically Canadian mysteries to talk about in another episode. So please let me know if you'd like to hear those too. I would, of course, like to thank Brianne for coming out and sitting with me today, even if she had the chills the entire time. I hope she doesn't have nightmares tonight. Please make sure to check out her website at briannemarie.photo and check out her Instagram at briannemariephoto. She's a very spooky soul and she's an amazing photographer. So please make sure to check her out. I will also have those links on the blog for this episode. As always, make sure to check out that blog for this episode. You can see all of the evidence and that elevator footage that I showed Brianne. I would love to hear your opinions and your theories on these cases. So please head over to my Facebook page at Real Scary Podcast and leave a comment on this episode post. Or you can also comment on the Real Scary Podcast Instagram page. We will be back again on Thursday with part two of Histories and Mysteries. So I hope you will join us again. And remember that the first episode for Alberta will be premiering next week on Halloween. Please tag Real Scary Podcast in your Halloween photos. That's kind of just for my own fun. (laughs) I really want to see all of your costumes and how you decorate your houses. So until next time, this is your friendly neighborhood host, Elise. (music) 